Welcome to The Conversation. This is Christy. And hi, I'm Gretchen. This is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to episode 11, where we will be continuing the conversation about grief and loss. This week, our focus is on infertility and the struggles that both men and women and couples have when infertility issues come up in family planning. Yeah, um, for a lot of people that I know that struggle with this or that I've worked with that struggle with this, people imagine their lives that, you know, I found somebody, I want to have a family, they want to have a family, and it's just going to happen. And so many people say, I didn't know it was going to be this hard. And after three years, and after four years, and after five years, just looking at everybody around them seeming to have children, people that might not necessarily have been planning to have children and having children. And it's, it's a real struggle. I think that it's such a huge thing, especially for women, because... I I always knew that I wanted children. And so for someone who knows that they want children, I never knew how many necessarily, Mm -hmm. but I always knew that I wanted children of my own. That even before I I met my husband, I envisioned being pregnant and looking forward to that and being able to, you know, meeting my partner and getting pregnant and having children and starting a family of our own. And so I know of the people that I have met in my own personal life and also clients that I've worked with who have struggled with infertility, it is such a great loss because this is something that they have been looking forward to Mm -hmm. or dreaming up or has been, you know, something that they've envisioned for such a huge part of their life. And I don't know about you, Gretchen, but a lot of times what I've noticed is there is a blame factor there and it's not one partner blaming the other partner, it's blaming themselves. And how could I do this? And they deserve to be with somebody that might be able to give them children. And that there's such this shame piece that people will not even talk to, you know, their closest of relatives about it because they just feel horrible. And um, yeah, again, a lot of that shame of not having conversations around things. Yeah. It doesn't normalize it the way that it should be normalized. There are no support. I mean, maybe there are some support groups, but they're not readily available. Well, I think even the shame in going to one of those. So maybe they are readily available. And I show up and who's there? Or maybe we do know about it, but then, you know, like we're we're owning it ourselves in that Mm -hmm. sense as well. Like Mm -hmm. if I'm going to this and I'm owning this, like I think it takes it to a different level. Yeah. And just like all losses, it's just another... Um, experience that so many people have, so many men and women and couples struggle with infertility that it just goes so unaware. So like mm-hmm. when you are going through it, you feel like you're so alone. Sure. Because well, again, like, it's not something that's talked about. What we brought up in the divorce and the um, suicide and any kind of loss, it's just that everybody's experience is so different, yeah. yet what they go through is such the same. Well, the emotions. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, the type of infertility that you experienced is different than me or the fact that, you know, whether it was the female or the male or you had infertility and you were able to get pregnant versus someone who has infertility and was never able to get pregnant. And and what the procedures are that you have to go through and how much money you have to save and (sighs) how there's virtually no help with insurance companies. So then people have to, you know, I've known people that have taken loans out on their houses or borrowed monies from, Completely emptied Mm -hmm. savings. And and there's no guarantee in that. And, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And trying to stay true to what your path in life is meant to be is so difficult when you so much want this to be the outcome. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that became very 
aware to me just in like talking with people who experienced infertility and then talking with Sarah, who I talked with about her experience with infertility, and we're going to hear from her in a bit, is how how much like the multitude of losses so okay Mm -hmm. so now i realize that i can't get pregnant in like a traditional manner right we can't just get pregnant by having sex we have to have um you know we have to do iui in utero insemination medical medical procedure okay so then we put all of our eggs into this basket and then when that doesn't work and then okay do we do ivf or do we do any of these things or maybe because i've worked with people where there is nothing that you can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, just the multitude of, okay, if I if I struggle with infertility and now I have to get pregnant in a different way and that's not what I planned, that is a loss. Mm-hmm. If I struggle with infertility and I can never get pregnant and now I choose to adopt, that's different. Mm-hmm. If I never get pregnant and now I have to adapt to a life where I don't have children, I never become a mother. Mm-hmm. All of those things are so... Difficult, and also then for well, the and husband, just, and exactly, and what we were saying about like watching other people go through that. Oh, now gosh. that like social media is so prevalent, you get to see everybody, you know, living their best life, so to speak, and people are really unaware of if they don't realize what your struggle is of not recognizing when you might be struggling, especially around Christmas, especially yes. around Mother's Day, especially yes. around all of those big holidays where. You know, the children are celebrated and you're just sitting there thinking like, will that ever happen for me? What And yeah. ruminating thoughts come into play and people's anxiety gets high and their depression, you know, increases as well. So, Well, and one of the things that I, over time, I think have realized is, you know, how much when I was younger, maybe in my 20s, early 30s even, like before I really started having kids, um, so more so 20s, because I had my first when I was 28, is how nosy I was about other people's business. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, when are you going to have kids? Oh, now you're married. Oh, how many kids? Even at your wedding shower, right? How many people have been to a wedding shower and like, the be careful, <laughs> the ribbons. How many ribbons are you going to break? Ooh, that's how many kids you're going to have. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much societal pressure and we are so nosy mm-hmm. about what other people, when are you going to start a family? Are you excited? Don't ask those questions, right? And, and not only that, but also... You had one kid. Ooh, when are you going to have another? Mm -hmm. I I tell people to assume that there is something, because there usually is something that you don't know about. Who knows what that is? And it's, quite frankly, none of your business. So unless somebody's saying, hey, I'm struggling with this, or I feel like talking about this, then pick a different topic of conversation. Absolutely. And you had brought up, Gretchen, um, from the male standpoint, too. And um, I hope that we'll have a male on here to speak from that, because... I think that so much stock is put in passing along your genes or giving your wife, you know, what I've heard from so many um, men just saying, what kind of man am I then? Like, this is the one thing that I should be able to do that, you know, and it's, you know, redefining who you are as a person and, you know, what changing those beliefs that you have. Right. And working through those beliefs. And you can't do that alone. You definitely, you know, need to have support. You need to have, you know, experience from other people and learning. Our brains tend to work against us. And so learning to answer those thoughts in a more realistic way of reminding yourself things that are not helpful for you to be 
thinking about because you can just have one thought that spirals down the rabbit hole and Mm -hmm. you know next thing you know you're depressed for weeks and you're not talking to your spouse because you're afraid that they might get upset and it's just like there's so many layers to this this loss in particular yeah well and again because it has such an impact on the couple and on the partnership the importance of communication is so important so if Mm -hmm. you or someone you know is struggling with infertility um you know I think it's important that if they're close to you and you know that being able to reach out, but also, you know, supporting them in whatever they need, ask them, what is it that Mm -hmm. you need? What can I do Mm -hmm. for you? You know, when you don't know how to support someone and what they need, the best thing that you can do is ask or just say, I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to support you. Please tell me. Sure. And when you hear, oh, we're having infertility issues. um, I know some people who you don't know the level to that. Like people have multiple miscarriages and then oh, they're struggling yeah. with the grief of that. And you just don't know this word infertility can mean such a multitude of things. Yeah. And again, like we, like I said before, it could be like you said, so many different losses. Have they already had miscarriages? How many IUIs have they had? Mm-hmm. Have they tried IVF and have those failed? Because every time you do one of those things, it's another loss. It's another every time. It's Absolutely. another experience of grief and it can be really overwhelming. Yeah, for sure. So I would like to thank Sarah for coming on as well. And, um, you know, it takes a lot to put your story out there and, you know, uh, really appreciate her for doing that. So I want to welcome Sarah today. Thanks so much for coming um, and talking about your experience with infertility. So I thought maybe we could just kind of start out with if you wouldn't mind talking about before we kind of get into when you realized that there were issues with infertility, what was kind of like your thoughts about um, having a family or like before marriage? And then once you got married, can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I come from a very large family and Brandon, when he and I started, and that's your husband, that's my husband. (laughs) My husband's name is Brandon, the love of my life. Um, When he and I first really started dating even, I think I had at least six nieces or nephews. Wow. And that was when we first started dating. By the time we got married, I had eight. And now there are 13. So large family. I was raised with kids. So being around kids and stuff was just something that was just always the plan. Um, And we had talked about numbers that were too many or not enough, you know. He was with, for one, I wanted four. So we had talked about two by the time, by the time we settled on it. Right. Um, it was, number was two. And uh, that a good was, round number. you know, it was always the joke that um, when we were around a lot of kids, it was like, okay, let's work on one. And then the second could be negotiable just depending <laughs> on how we felt. But um, we, you know, we talked about our life before we were married and even thinking about kids. We talked about what our life would be and being able to raise kids and, and, you know, have, have a family and Mm -hmm. and what that would look like here and, um, living far away from my family lives far away. So living away from them, what that would look like and, and, and that. So it was, it was a common conversation for us to have, um, about, you know, this image of this family that we pretty much talked about since probably like month two of when we started dating. Well, and how long were you guys dating before you got married? We... Dated for a year, engaged for, it was like 11 months, 11 months, and then we got married. So we had been together for two years before we actually got married. And you've been married how long now? Five years. Five five and a half years. Okay. So how long, or how, I guess, soon into the marriage did you guys decide that you wanted to start 
either trying or when not preventing or yeah um pretty much within the first year i think we started trying about a month or two shy of our first year anniversary Mm -hmm. so neither of us were young kids you know so for us it was like i'm not getting any younger and so it was fine yeah we would be fine if it happened you know Mm -hmm. um i was rounding the quarter to my 30th which there was nothing wrong with having a baby late Mm -hmm. but that was just my thought was we wanted to start and and you know start because we knew that the process could be lengthy right you You never know know. it's it's not always easy so yeah. yeah how then how long i guess into trying did you start to think why is this taking so long Oh, well, every girl I think or is maybe, like, oh, month, yeah, month, month two. two. Oh, no. Um, oh, no, something's wrong. Med- I'm not pregnant yet. Right. Yeah. Medically speaking, they don't let you start having any sort of intervention or testing unless you've been trying for a year. So, you know, everybody says everything. Just be patient. Let it and happen. Let it happen when it happens. and Stop stressing. S- oh, stop stressing. Yeah. And it kind of became... Uh, obnoxious always but um because that's not the reality so because it is stressful and you how do you not worry about something that you've clearly Mm -hmm. wanted right for so long right and and talked about and dreamt about right and and biologically speaking you can't just let it happen because that's not how it works right so so for us it was i mean just in general when people start to say that they're starting to try to have kids i'm like god bless you because it is not. It is not a relaxing. It's not a relaxing no. scenario. In fact, I would say, in I'm glad it wasn't year one of marriage because I think it would have been harder. Yeah, you know. So yeah. year two is probably better for us. Yeah. So obviously, a year in, you're trying for a year. Nothing happens. Correct. So what's the discussion? Did you bring it up, or have you had you guys been talking? The two of you along the process? Yeah, because it's frustrating. And until you know for sure what the problem is, it just makes the situation more stressful. Yeah. And, um, you know, infertility, I mean, has so many different levels of, of emotions just because by the time you hit a year, I've had 12 months of being disappointed mm-hmm. and feeling like a failure and you know you just know that there's something that's not right um you know and so watching that transpire by the time you get to a year at that point we were already defeated anyway right um I think I had seen my doctor and had kind of told him a little bit about what was going on and he basically said you know what schedule an appointment and we'll take you and we'll we'll start doing some tests to see what exactly is going on yeah so we we did that, um, and and they do a lot of evaluations. I mean, it's the amount of testing that is done is absurd. Um, and so we started on that, and that that took a long time because. Well, and what's that like? Like, what kind of do you mind talking about the different kinds of testing that both you and your husband had to go through? Right. So, no, not at all. So we, you know, they have to. M- on the men's side, they have to check and make sure everything on him is working that could help get me pregnant. Right. And then on the woman's side, we're far more complicated yeah. than men. So just plumbing and all. So, like, they have to, you know, see and make sure that everything is open and functioning and that my tubes aren't blocked. Yeah. And 
that I, you know, do I have eggs? And if they do, are they viable? And are they moving when they're supposed to? Am mm. I ovulating at all? So, right. And are that's you having not, a period? Or, is it regular? Absolutely. And is there any abnormalities in your period? I mean, there's so many different factors that it just to be able to determine all of all of that just takes months in general. Um, and yeah, when so how long of a process did that take? By the time we were finished with the testing, I would say it probably took greater of six months. Oh, wow. Just because you have to hit every single time frame ad- adequately and accurately in order to determine if you have any issues. Gotcha. Um, so by the time they figured out the root cause of what was going on, we then had to start figuring out what can we do to fix to, to try to correct the situation. Right. Or to get around it in right. some way. And uh, see what our goals were going to be. And that process took another, uh, I would say another nine months or so. Wow. Because again, you're, everything, is on a, everything is on a clock. Right. So everything that you do, you're, you have to hit the right times. And if you don't, you have to try again the next month. And it's just, you know, and again, what your body does during that time frame, I, I assume is not being relaxed. Not at it's, all. It's all the worst. So, so you're a year in, you go for testing, the, all of the testing takes upwards of six months. So now you're 18 months in. And so you get all this testing and where are you like how talk talk a little bit about like emotionally where you were, if you wouldn't mind. And also maybe some of the like just ongoing stressors or thoughts or things that you were struggling with during that time. You know, it's, it's a hard thing because at year one, when we weren't pregnant, I think just as a normal human, you start to wonder what happens next. Yeah. If if at the end of this long road, whatever whatever we're gonna do, if at the end we don't we don't we aren't able to get pregnant, you start you start envisioning what that's gonna look like, which can be a good thing. Yeah. Um, but also I think can can obviously cause just the stressors itself because you're trying to determine what's in the future and right I don't know about you but I can't tell what's in the future nobody can yeah so well that's hard though because you are you're constantly thinking and so then and we go to these because like we talked about in previous podcasts about those unhelpful thinkings and that we catastrophize situations and we magnify situations and maybe we minimize other things that really are important but we don't want to believe that they're important and and it, it is very hard to prevent ourselves from thinking in those ways, especially when you have such a stressful thing happening. Yeah. And so, you know, we, before we even knew exactly what the issues were and what our resolutions would be, we had already started talking about options. the what ifs and yeah. our options and what, what is our end goal? Yeah. Um, what, what has been our goal all along? Um, you know, and that that is the thing that probably got us through, um, because I love babies, um, but I've never been the kind I've never been the person who needed to be pregnant, mm. and I think that helped me. Um, yeah, what I went through probably isn't helpful for the women out there who really do want to have babies, and and I and I love I love those women because I I I. I've seen them and I and how how they experience the whole pregnancy and it is a beautiful thing. Yeah. For me, that was never 
Um, it was never what I had to do. Yeah. It was kind of a... It wasn't a One necessity. of the avenues. Yeah, right. yeah. It was just an avenue of You wanted of children. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we started talking about what that would look like. And obviously, you know, we still wanted to, to go down the other road just to see... Of course. What we could do, see what we could, how we could somehow manage to get through it or how, you know, whatever we needed to do to try to get pregnant, we were going to try knowing in the back of our minds that there are options out there in the event that it didn't work. Yeah. So that, that kind of thing is what, you know, I think helped us get through it. Um, Stressful stressors, things during that time. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but people get pregnant all the time. And when you are going through infertility, twice as many people get pregnant. It's, um, I mean, well, I think you just become more hyper aware of it. Absolutely. Like this is something that I want so badly. And then you just start noticing all of the people who have what you don't. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is, and it's not that they were trying to get pregnant while I was right. trying and right. I didn't work. Like it is never a vindictive thing. Um, but you know it's painful it's painful and it's it's a monthly it's a monthly thing so even at that point by the time we were finished with it it was 18 months now yeah we're rounding the corner to 24 months of what it would look like you know if in, in watching other people get to experience all those things and all of those things that I don't get to do and then I fail at it every month you know yeah so it's it's it was a vicious cycle for 20 I think ultimately it was right around two years this vicious cycle where we were just like it was nonstop and it was the same emotion like a, like a broken record like it just over kept and going and it was something that we just couldn't move forward from well and you had talked about how big your family is and how many nieces and nephews you have and so what was that like for you going through this process trying to get pregnant finding out that maybe there are some infertility issues and going through all the testing and all of that and all the while i'm sure you have are they all sisters that you have sisters and I have and two brothers? sisters and a brother. So like sisters and brother, all of them getting pregnant and yeah. having children. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about that experience? You know, I'm very fortunate to have very sensitive, um, sensitive siblings because they knew, and I was very open about it. I have never, um, I've never hid, hidden what we're going through. I feel like, um, I feel like women don't talk about it enough. And the reality is, is that a lot of people go through what we do. It's like one in every seven couples or something goes through it. And I never knew how many people dealt with those kinds of issues until I said something. And all of a sudden I have this like line of line of women who are like, Oh my gosh, me too. Like we can, we have this understanding of each other. And, um, you know, even though my siblings couldn't understand or grasp it because that was never a struggle for them. Um, they were always very sensitive to it because they knew that that, that is where we were headed. Um, it didn't necessarily make things easier. And I know that they know that it was hard for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I loved on those babies, but my heart would break when I'm holding them because all I wanted was for that one to be mine. Right. And, um, you know, so watching all of that transpire, I mean... You know, it's it's very emotional and it's a roller coaster because I I never want anybody to think I'm like mad at their baby, but also I feel like yeah. I, you know I, I'm picturing like what my life where I would have been and had they they would have been like cousins like in the same age and and so for me 
it was it was always hard. Um, you know, I I again tried to focus on ultimate goals. Um, they were always very sensitive yeah. to all of our feelings. Um, that doesn't make it didn't make it any less hard. Right. Um, it helped that that sensitivity is there for yeah. them, um, and they've been sensitive. I mean ever since you know and they tell me they would tell me ahead of time if they were pregnant so that they understood how hard that is you know oh you and mean like prior to prior announcing to, it right mm-hmm. just because for us it was you know the knowing knowing that it was still going to be hard because I would be there right they still looked to that yeah. so you know I feel like it, they've always been really really good at making sure that um they're very sensitive to to, to how we may be feeling in those situations. Yeah. So where along the process are you like, okay, there's all this testing. And then like you said, there's options like, I guess what IUI and IVF and like whatever else can happen in terms of infertility. So like where along the process did you and your husband decide or make a decision that, you know, do we want to try some things or did you try any of those things? So we did. We tried um, an I the IUI um, I think we tried it three times okay. and essentially it just didn't work. And, yeah. you know, it, it just was one of those situations where like we could probably have tried more, but the like, they essentially, they just told us the likelihood of it ever happening that way, um, was very, very slim. Um, and then, you know, it's unfortunate, but when you get to this kind of situation, you're really looking at cost yeah. and, what is again looking at your end goal looking at like where we wanted to be what's the best way to get there that is also financially responsible because mm-hmm. i mean ivf is, is so expensive and it's also not even a guarantee well and insurance a lot of insurances don't, don't cover, cover it at all nope did they cover the iuis because um, a lot of them will cover fertility testing, right? Yes. Yeah, so they cover the testing. Um, we never had any issues with that. But the IUI, they don't, and they don't cover the medication that you need for Ugh. it. So now, in the grand scheme of things, an IUI is cheaper than anything else. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, we are obviously not going to continue trying something that's failing. And, and And, you know, again, for me, carrying a baby was not, I didn't have to do it. And so we wanted to be be responsible. And, and, and again, IVF, I mean, some women are very fortunate that it works right away. Yeah. Um, for us, you know, the, the chances of it working may have been very slim. Right. So why would we pour so much money into something that isn't even a for sure thing? Right. So that was our crossroads that we just had to decide which direction was it going to be you know, through the adoption route or were we going to really choose science and hope science is by our side? Because other than those two options, though, you know, we were pretty much out of options. Yeah. So what did you choose? We chose adoption, <laughs> which we could have a whole thing It's a whole nother story. We have a whole podcast on adoption. But um, we did. Um, we both just felt like if we... If we couldn't have a child on our own, that there must be some child out there that needs us as parents more than the one that we could have birthed would. Mm. So, um, and it's not like a, you know, we want to give a child a home. Like it's not, it's not in that way. I just genuinely feel that if this is what 
we are going through for when we are bringing our child home. It's because we needed to go through all of this, all every every bit yeah. of it, every step that we've been through, that we needed to go through it because there is a child out there for us um, who who we need and who yeah. needs us and you know that was just it made it made sense you know and financially um it's it's just as expensive because we're doing international adoption but yeah. financially you know to be able to know that what we are putting our money into is going that we have that end goal right we know that it's going to happen um and it was it's worth it's worth it for us you yeah. know and that's and we're going to get a really uh, fun adventure out of it um, we're going to be able to travel and, and be a part of our child's culture and, and do all of that. And that was really important for us. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we love it. Um, it is not something that's for the faint of heart, but neither is infertility. So we, we yeah. kind of just feel like it, it has kind of went uh, hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. The transition of it was actually not that, um, that different. So, um, so yeah, that's where we're at now. Um, well, thinking about, you know, this kind of this whole journey for you and kind of of the infertility and all of that experience, what were some of the things either that you and your husband did or that you did or other people did that helped you that um, made you feel like you were supported or, you know, made the process or the experience not easier, but um, were just more helpful? You know, I think that and some of that leads into like the adoption part of it too. Um, but you know, the things that people helped with during infertility, I think would be just not, not talk, not talking about it. Mm. Um, but also not making it awkward because I feel like people don't know what to do. I mean, it's they literally like they just, they put their hands up. They're like, Ooh, cause if they have kids, they automatically think that either a, I hate them maybe, or I resent them for it, or like they just don't know, they don't know what to do because they've never had to navigate that kind of situation. Yeah. And so for us, all we wanted was just to be treated like a normal human. Like just, we're just, we're just a couple, like we're just a couple right now. Yeah. At some point we'll be a couple with a child, right. but like there's nothing wrong, you know? And I think people being able to just one, listen to me if I complain a little, um, and just being able to like talk, feeling comfortable enough to talk about like their family. Like you don't have yeah. to be weird and all, you know, free, it's like right. freezing around me. Like you don't know what to say when it's like, I wasn't looking for anybody to fix it because we paid lots of money to try to get people to fix it and it didn't work. Yeah. I just needed people to be present, you know, and to be involved and, and, you know, being able to see, and you, and you see that a lot. I mean, you can see people's true self I yeah. think when you come to those situations because they just don't know what to say you know and again that's where my family came in because they don't live here but they they just the whole time they would just be very supportive and yeah. how they would just encourage us and you know they would knowing knowing that like we were always in their thoughts and always in their prayers and that they genuinely like were looking forward to whatever it is that they were going to look forward to you know and uh they were always on our side so they never yeah. pushed they never said, well, why don't you try this? Or why don't you try that? Again, right. people's nature is to fix things. Yeah. And it's like, you're not a doctor, though. Right. Specifically an OBGYN. <laughs> um, you know, so... With the a I, background with, in infertility. With, exactly. So, like, if they can't, like, 
you know, right. it's I was very say, unlikely yeah. that you random person are going to be able to fix all of my infertility <laughs> issues, you know? So I would say like on the one end, like just always being there to like listen and just acting like a normal person, but not offering that well, also I, goes. But I think that's away. good too. So like, you know, we, you know, see a married couple and we're like, oh, are you going to have kids? You know? And so we ask these questions, not thinking of the ramifications um, on the other end of that question, because if I don't know what you're going through, um, you know, so maybe someone, I'm sure people came up to you like, oh, are you trying or when are you going to have a kid? What was your response? Like, did you, how would you respond to those people? Did it depend on the person who asked or how would that be different? Yeah, it all depends on how well you know someone. I mean, it's kind of like when you ask somebody, hi, how are you? And they respond with, oh, I'm fine, but you, but they're not. Like, mm. depends on who you're talking to as to how, what your response is actually going to be. Yeah. You know, there's somebody on the street, I'm going to say I'm fine. But if it were you, I'd be like, oh, I'm terrible. Yeah. Because I know that I can trust my feelings with you. Right. And I also don't, I don't strive to make people feel uncomfortable either. So like, if I knew the person and they would talk to me or ask me, you know, if we were going to have kids or whatever, you know, if, if I knew them, I would say, you know, what, we're, we're having some problems or we're struggling a little bit, but you know, we're trying or whatever. Yeah. Um, if it's somebody that I didn't know, I just said, oh, you know, right. Just kind of brush it off, you know? So the people that you did know and maybe asked, or maybe you shared like, oh, we're struggling. Um, what, what do you want to hear in return, right? Because I'm thinking, like, people are going to be listening. Because my <clears throat> my older sister had infertility issues. And I had no idea. Like, I didn't want to hurt her. I didn't want... I didn't know if she wanted to talk about it. I didn't know if it would help. And um, this was a long time ago. So, like, now I feel like I would have just asked yeah. <laughs> and been supportive. Um, but what... So if people out there know somebody who's struggling with infertility or is going to encounter someone who's struggling with infertility, I know that everyone's different, but for you, can you give any insight into, you know, what can someone say to you? So I ask you like, oh, are you and your husband going to have any kids anytime soon? And you say, I'm struggling. What do I say? So I think it, and again, every person's different and how they're going to be received is different. Um, automatic responses for people are to a try to find somebody who relates and mm-hmm. give that as an example, um, or b just tell you how they think you should fix it. Yeah, and those are terrible because one, I'm sure that the people are nice, but I don't care if your cousin's sisters, brothers, whoever, fiance's girlfriend is, is also struggling, also struggling yeah. with infertility because I don't know them. Like we don't have a secret club. Right. And I think people people think I think they think we do and that somehow they have to relate in a way. If you don't relate to infertility, you don't have to relate to that person. You don't have to try. No. Um yeah. but but infertility sucks. Yeah. So if you say to them, I'm really sorry, that sucks. Yeah. And the response will be, it really does. And probably tears, because that's just natural. It's a normal yeah. thing. And so you don't have to relate. But just owning that you recognize that this situation is completely crappy and I'm really sorry that you're going through it. Yep, because because how how you explain, you know, you trying to fix it is not going to do anything because, again, if somebody who's got a a doctor in that specific type, you know, in that scenario, if they can't fix it, 
probably you're not going to either. Yeah. And that's not helpful. And people going through it just feel like, it's like, okay, if I can't fix it, neither can you. Well, and it's the difference between disregarding your emotions and your feelings about it. So like when we go to that fix it mode and I'm like, oh, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Or, or you know, my sister struggled, but she did this and da 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 It's like I'm not recognizing how much this is a horrible situation that you are struggling through. And so it can feel very dismissive. Yep. Is that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it, it is. It's all of our feelings are always valid, right? Absolutely. Everybody's a you always tell me all the time, I'm allowed to have feelings, <laughs> right. I'm allowed to feel certain ways, and that's okay. Um, I think when other people are trying to feel my feelings, <laughs> and that's and that's really what it feels like. Or it's that like, they don't want to feel your feelings, yeah. right? Like you're like, hey, this is something that's horrible, and I don't want to feel that, so I want to focus on fixing it or focus on talking about my cousin who struggled right. because I can then distance myself from yep. that. Absolutely. Because, again, it's it's an awkward thing. I mean, it's... It is very awkward for people, especially when they just can't relate and they don't know how to relate to unrelatable people. So it is, it's an awkward scenario, but if you can just be, you know, affirm with them that it sucks and that it's a bad situation and that you wish it didn't, you wish it wasn't something that you had, we had to go through. Yeah. Then that, that goes so much farther because then I feel like somebody's in my corner and is going to be supportive in that situation. Yeah. But if you're going to try to fix it or if you're going to try to relate to it and you can't, I'm probably not going to talk to you about stuff because it's just hard, yeah. you know, and I don't need, I don't need people to try to fix it. I just need well, people to understand. Well, and more painful, I mm-hmm. imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you feel like there's anything that having gone through the experience that you've gone through now, kind of maybe looking back, do you feel like, oh, I wish I knew this or I wish I had dealt with things differently in any way or, you know... Not really. I mean, it's a hard situ. I, it's a hard situation, and yeah. it's it's something that um, I I would never want to relive. It's a it can take you to a really dark place. Yeah. And um, you know there there are some practical things that I do now in our adoption. Actually, I take that back. There are some practical <laughs> things now and that we've done through our adoption process that has helped us. And we've we've been in our adoption process for two years, and long, long, long journey. And when we started our adoption process, I, um, every month I would go to the store and I'd get a book for our little one. Mm. And I would write little things in there just about when we got it or if we got it from somebody or something that I was thinking about for them. And I wish that I had done it when we started trying to have a baby Mm. because I feel like in a sense that would have that would have just made the experience not so burdensome, yeah. I guess. Like, I feel like there would have been a light because for the longest time it was dark. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of negative thoughts, um, just dark. I mean, it was just yeah. a very dark time. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, so to, to for, you know, people who are going through it, that you know, finding finding a light in there. Yeah. I think is just really important. Um, A way to have hope and be hopeful about a situation that seems very hopeless. Absolutely. Because for us, again, the end result was a family. It wasn't, um, it wasn't a baby. It was a family. And, and the, the reality of, of that just morphed a little bit. And, you know, it's just going to look a little bit different than what we thought it would be. But at, you know, at the end of this process, we are going to have our family and, you know, 
when you're when you're in in the midst of of this whole infertility thing it's it's just so dark and it does feel hopeless and it's like i wish that i would have i wish that i would have had that little spark of light in there yeah. just just to make it a little bit better you know um because i think that sometimes you just lose you lose yourself in what your actual end goal is yeah. and you don't you don't actually see it whereas now even though our adoption process is long and I've got a bookshelf full of <laughs> books that I just keep buying. I think that I just, you know, that that's what carries me now is that I get to see them. And it's like, okay, this is the reality now, yeah. you know. So I think if I could tell myself, my, you know, four years ago, self something different, it would be to find, to find that light in yeah. the hard situation. Because not everybody's going to be able to, people can't always give that to you. Right. Um, and even when people would try, it doesn't mean that I would accept it. Yeah. Um, but well, no, I think, yeah, like you cultivating something that was meaningful for you that allowed you to get through this process is really important. Yes. Yeah. Um, since like the holidays have just passed, do you find that the holidays are more difficult or aspects of the holidays or even just other parts, times during the year um, in particular stir up anything or I don't know, just wondering. It is. So I was I was thinking about that just in general because holidays are always hard. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the fourth Christmas that I either wanted to have a baby belly or wanted to have a little a little one opening, you know, opening up the having their first Christmas and opening up presents and and so every holiday since then I think has actually gotten gradually harder. Mm. And right, because it's just delaying mm-hmm. and delaying. And also, I think that people are under the assumption that just because we're adopting, that means like we've moved on in oh. a way. So I think that, honestly, I think in the first few years, it was a probably more sensitive to our feelings than it is now. Interesting. Um, just because people think, okay, well, they're adopting, so it's it's all fixed. And it's like, well, not really. You know, right. um, it's still, it's still to me, it's still Christmas is lost. Yeah. And um, memories lost. And, you know, I, I think of my, my little nieces and nephews that have been born since then. And, and they, they're playmates, you know, that, that they don't have, you know, they're not going to be there. And, you know, so I think that over time, I think that people just think that like adoption's the band-aid and that, that, that means now, that my feelings of infertility are gone right. because now we're adopting. So it's all okay. And it's like, no, because if if I had it my way, I'd have a four year old. So right. you know, for us, it's, it's still grieving. It's still, that loss. it is every single year. And you know, Brandon and I love each other, and we we've gotten a lot of really cool adventures in the last several years. Um, we've been able to do fundraisers and stuff for our adoption. Like we've been able to be very smart about those things. Um, but we're ready. We're so ready to have our family and. So, you know, we spend the time and we enjoy the time together, but that doesn't mean that when we wake up on Christmas morning, we're not sad. You know, we see a stocking that should be full and a tree that should be full of presents. And, and so for us, like, you know, we, we do our best to get through the holidays and, um, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to find like all the joy in it because yeah. You watch everybody else just being able to love everything about it. And for us, we're just so ready to be there and we're not, um, you know. But again, I think people just assume that it's not hard, you know, because we're we're just anxiously waiting. Or it's, it's like, hard in a different way. Right, right. right. Whereas yeah. we, we are suffering from the 
the blues of of infertility and, and the blues from right. adoptions just taking so long, you know. So, I, you know, I think if there's something that people can learn from it, it's just understanding that, one, you don't fix infertility. Like, yeah. you can get pregnant. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it takes away all of your feelings. Um, but it's not like we're, you know, those feelings aren't gone. Right. You know, so understanding that people who are going through that kind of thing, you know, yeah. a little extra love around the holiday season. Well, I, I think it's a good point, too, because, like, for you guys not being able to move forward and have your own child um, through either IUI or IVF, even couples who can or who do, um, that it still doesn't change the loss and the grief that has come with the fact that they had infertility issues. Absolutely. Because, again, it's um, when childbirth or pregnancy or whatever doesn't happen in the typical fashion you know like we all think you have sex you get pregnant and you're good babies right and babies happen and so we have this idea about you get married you have kids it it happens the old-fashioned way and then we're good and so when it doesn't happen that way i think that's a big point too is is that so if I have infertility issues, but I'm still able to have a child naturally, whether it be through IUI or IVF, I still have grief about the fact that I wasn't able to conceive right. maybe naturally. Right. And that's a huge part, I think, that again, similar to you talking about now that I've moved on to, okay, we're adopting. Oh, so the infertility stuff isn't such a big deal anymore. Or the fact that, but you're pregnant. Congratulations. And it's like, yes, but I didn't get pregnant in the way that I wanted to or that I thought that I would. Right. And I didn't realize I would have to struggle for so much time and feel probably like a piece of crap. And my husband as well, because for whatever reason, we were unable to have a child. Right. Naturally. Right. Quote. Well, and again, your dreams of, I mean... People can do IVF multiple times good for them, but the reality is even if you can do it, you do it once and you get pregnant, which is very slim, by yeah. the way. Those chances are very low. The reality is is that your picture of your family is going to be different because are you going to really be able to do that multiple times? And, right, if that's know, what you have to do absolutely. every time. Right, absolutely. so even that is like, oh, maybe I envisioned having two, three, four children, but if and I have like to do IVF, yeah, yeah, now I just have one. Yep. Absolutely. Um Thinking about other holidays, would you talk a little bit about Mother's Day and Father's Day? Ooh, so those are really hard because I feel like internally, I feel like I've been like a mama bear for mm. so many years. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate I have a great mom. I've got great sisters who are fantastic moms. I'm surrounded by a tribe of wonderful moms. And, you know, I loved, I loved, pouring my love out to my mom on Mother's Day because they're just so deserved. And I loved being able to do that to my dad because they're just so deserved because they raise children like me. And (laughs) I just feel like, you know, they deserve a whole year, let alone just one day. And, you know, again, it's one of those things where you see all of these moms getting all of this love. And it's like, you know, I feel like it's it's a weird thing feeling like you're a mom, but you're just missing your child. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. You know, it's it, it's one of those feelings that unless unless you go through it, you can't understand it. So what do you need on Mother's Day from your family, your friends, people around you? What helps? What doesn't help? You know, my favorite times, actually, my 
Um, I've gotten I've gotten Mother's Day cards from my mm. sisters and my mom. Just under you know people understand if people can understand that that's how I feel. Like I think that that's it, it can speak volumes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like so you know them acknowledging that we're. That, we're, that I'm a mom to be, yes. whether, you know, other people carry me in their belly. I've been carrying mine in my heart for four years. So like for me, it's, you know, it's hard. I, you know, I, I always want to keep, I always just kind of push it off to my, my mom yeah. and my mother-in-law um, because again, they just deserve it. Um, but, you know, Brandon's always very, he's very um, sensitive to it because he knows, yeah. um, he knows that it's a hard day. Um, you know, because I get to watch all of these other moms get spoiled by their kids and I don't have that, you know, so he's always very sensitive. We usually go to kind of a non mother's day, but we kind of just go and celebrate on our own and, and, and have that moment, you know, just that acknowledgement that, that, you know, it's, it's there just something to be sensitive to, you know, and it's hard because people just assume because I'm a woman that I'm, and I'm married that I'm a mother Mm. and like, I've been told Happy Mother's Day, like, a lot. Oh, wow. And I get invited to, like, Mother's Day things, and I'm like, I'm not a, I'm, I mean, I'm not literally a mom, <laughs> you know? So, like, I feel like on the opposite end of the spectrum, like, my close friends and family can acknowledge that with me because they understand my heart. They know yeah. where we've been, and they know, like, where we're going. Yeah. Whereas people, I think, could probably use a little bit more sensitivity not maybe assuming and not assume it because i mean someday they're gonna have a moment where some woman is gonna break down with them right (laughs) in the middle of a grocery store because they make this terrible assumption and they don't realize that this woman may have been trying to have kids for seven years you know that's a good point because on mother's day you just walk around and you just hear people all the time just being like happy mother's day and it, it, it's an assumption that we're making. Yeah. And so while, again, it comes from a good place, I often say that it's usually the most well-meaning and well-intentioned people that cause the most harm mm-hmm. because they just aren't thinking. Yeah. And so, you know, again, just taking, I think, time to think about what what your intention is. And if you know that person, you never know what wishing them, you know, Happy Mother's Day or Happy Father's Day might be doing to them. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on and sharing your experience with infertility. I really appreciate it. Um, Hopefully we'll have you back when maybe in a future podcast we do talk about adoption. You can kind of go more into that process. Um, But yeah, thanks so much for coming. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Conversations to Connect with Christy and Gretchen. If you like our show, want more information, and want to connect with us, go to our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com. and follow us on Instagram. We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com or you can contact your insurance company. See you next time.